Since we do have uh, the five wishes thing that, that Bill and, and Jay talked about uh, that you could lose kind of as a, it's a living will, but it also tells you, uh, you can tell people what you want. Go ahead and designate, you know, what, what kind of care you want, what kind of funeral you want, what songs you want, so whatever you want to designate in your five wishes. And it is a legal document in the state of Tennessee. So. Oh. <clears throat> Today, Pat Ward is speaking. And uh, kind of in, in going with that, I have the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the things, we've been handing out things, and, and I saw that this, that, and today Pat is going to talk about encouragement and dealing with stressful situations or to be in tough, tough times. And it was a thing where it says, starting October 1, 2019, which is Tuesday, pick a person and pray for them through January 1st, 2020. Pray for their health, their faith, their family, their finances, their every single need. Don't tell them you're praying for them. Just cover them with prayer and watch God work. So I have this. So if y'all want a copy of that, remember. But I just thought, well, that's a great idea. In fact, about 5 o'clock this morning, I was lying in bed awake. I'm not normally awake at 5 o'clock in the morning, but I couldn't go back to sleep. And I was like, so who am I going to choose to pray over? And make that decision, but I will. So, so the other thing is, and I'm not sure, my, my, my printer ran out of ink. So um, I don't know how many of y'all have seen this, but it's called the Five Finger Prayer. And it kind of goes along with the encouragement and what, what I think Pat will be talking about. And it... And it says, one, your thumb is the closest to your heart, so pray for those closest to you, your family and friends. The pointer finger is used to give directions. Pray, pray for teachers, coaches, therapists, doctors, and first responders. The middle finger is the tallest. Pray for leaders in government, business, and the church. The ring finger is the weakest. Pray for the sick, poor, and those most in need. And five, the pinky finger is the smallest. Pray for yourself and your own needs. So, anyway... Don't know whether there's enough of these, but we'll we'll go for the, see how far they go. So. Oh. Yeah, there may be some up. Was that in that? So if you don't, it was up there. So today we have Pat, and according to the dictionary, encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. I expected to look up encouragement and find a picture of Pat Ward. She is the epitome of, of encouragement. And back in May, there was a, at the Otter Creek Classifieds, there was um, an ad um, that said that Encouragement Ministries was looking for an administrative director. And I read it and I said, well, that'd be nice. And went on my merry way. But sitting in church the first week of June, first Sunday in June, and just felt this thing of, you know, I think I'm going to contact Pat and just see if that job's still open. 
I, I had been working about 10 hours a week for another company. They were going under, and, and not through no fault of mine, but anyway, they were going under. And um, um, so I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm not good at not having anything to do. I need something to do. So I sent Pat a text, and just a few minutes later, I, sent it, I got a response from her, and she said, um, if you will send me your resume and also send a copy to Russ. What you don't know is I was on my couch going, oh! And that's what I thought. I thought, oh, well, we're serious about this, you know. So I sent her, then she calls me and said, could you meet with Russ and me on Tuesday afternoon? Oh, yeah, I'll meet with you. So I meet with them and we talk about it and they said, now are you interested? And I said, yeah, I am interested. And they said, well, we have a board meeting tonight. If it's okay, we're going to present your name. So, so the Lord knew what he was doing when he told me to contact Pat that day. So. But Pat, working with Pat and Russ is such a blessing in my life, knowing Pat. If you've been in Otter Creek very long, then uh, sure, I'm sure you've gotten at least one card or note from Pat Ward. So um, she's, she does such a great job of that and, and um, does the same thing with, within Encouragement Ministries. But today I, she's here and she's going to talk to us about encouragement and dealing with tough situations. So, And I have one more handout. I should have been a teacher. Um. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> and I, I love the five-finger prayer. And, Paulette, we could go home and have benefited greatly. I told some of you before class this morning. Here, I'll give you. Oh. Um, I agree to talk. And every time I agree to talk, I, on the way there, I say, did I say I would do that? What have I got to share that is going to bless these people? And so I just, I want to share with you um, a few things this morning. And then if you have questions, um, I'd be glad to um, talk to you about it. Encouragement is something that's near and dear to my heart. I, I worked at Otter Creek Kindergarten for 34 years. And... Um, <laughs> And so that was the most fun and dealing with families. And Russ Corley would come in and do Bible story for the kids. And he and I got to be friends. In 1990, he started Encouragement Ministries. And he would still come and do um, Bible story with our kids. And we would talk about people. And he would visit the teachers or their kids or anybody they knew who was in a hospital or dealing with anything. And so, about 15 years ago, he said, you know, we're just looking for a female, and I'm just wondering if, on your summers, when you have time off, if you would think about joining the ministry. So for 11 years, um, I did them, I worked for them part-time. And then, about three years ago, I just felt this tug in my heart that it was time for somebody else fresher blood to run Otter Creek. Um, and it was time for me not to retire, but it was time, I felt pulled really in a great way. So for about a year, because Otter Creek had been my security through thick and thin, they saw, I'm trying to look both ways because you said everybody just looks over here, so I'm trying to look both ways. Um, but um, so, I began, I was wrestling with God and thinking, I don't know, Otter Creek has seen me through thick and thin. They were with me through a divorce and an illness of a child. And those women were so good to me. I don't know if 
I want to leave my security in it. My age, do I want to jump out of that boat? But God would not leave me alone. And so I decided to go full-time with Encouragement Ministries. And it is another huge blessing in my life. I learned so much at Otter Creek from the women who were there. I am learning a lot. Not just from Russ, but mostly from the people that I visit and spend time with. So I want to know, what do you think of when you think of encouragement? Or what's your favorite encouragement story? Any words when you think of encouragement? When I get a handwritten note from you all the time, everybody does, but it just didn't like. My first thought is, especially in this technology infested life we live in, um, is that they took the time to put pen to paper. And so when I get a note that's encouraging like that, it's just beyond the words on the page. It's the fact that they took time to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're a good example. I think of you coming <clears throat> coming over after a tragedy, going out on that deck, and walking and talking me through it. Uh, do you remember? I do. I have every note that you've written me. Oh, bless you. <laughs> and there are many. And when I feel down or I need some encouragement, I don't tell people. I just go to one of my notes. And I'm revived again. <laughs> So I want to tell you that each time, each time we make a difference in somebody else's life, no matter how small, um, because I think sometimes my notes are very small, um, but no matter how small, it's going to encourage them, and it's going to encourage them to do something for others. And each time that happens, that they're encouraged, or they're encouraged to do something for others, we make a stronger force for God. We do. One of my favorite characters comes to mind. He was born Joseph of Cyprus. Do you know who he is? Barnabas. Yeah. Um, His friends changed his name to Barnabas. Do you ever wonder what your friends would change your name to? Your people who know you most intimately and love you, what would they change your name to? Um, And... That means a lot to me. His fellow believers, the people that stayed with him, changed his name to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Um, So to love somebody is not, first of all, to do things for them all the time, but to reveal to them their beauty and their value. That's what encouragement really is, to point out to them their beauty and their value and to say to them through your attitude, you are important. I trust you. Um, We all know that we can do things for people. um, And in the process, we can crush them sometimes. I think about, um, because my daughter worked in the inner city, I think sometimes we can go in and overwhelm people um, with food or Christmas presents or the things that we do, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what we most need to leave them with is you are important. You are a 
person of God just like me. I'm not better than you. We are different. Um, so to love somebody is to reveal to them their capacities for life and that you see the light shining in them. You see it and you point it out. Um, I, say, I used to say all the time, so if you've ever been in an Otter Creek meeting, you know I'm going to say this. I used to say that you're either in the business of preparing the path for your child or your child for the path. And what I see going on in our world a lot right now, much to my dismay, is we are preparing the path for our child. We want to take everything that could possibly happen that might that might lower their esteem, and I'm going to argue with them for a little bit, because our, our children and we, you know where we get our esteem? From making it through a battle and relying on God and getting to the other side. So what I say when I take something away from that child or any other human being is, I don't really think you can do it. I really don't. I, really, I don't really think you can do it. That's not the message we mean to send. But when we take everything out of their path, what we're saying is, I don't think you can really do it. <coughs> we have no idea we're sending them that message. But if I do everything for them, I am sending them that message. Um, so when you and I get to the point of what we can do for other people, yes, we go in and we take a meal or we send a card or we do that. But our job is to point them to God and to point out to them that they are important and that we see something special in them. One of my favorite scriptures is Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Laura, can you quote it? <laughs> because you've gotten it a lot. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If either one of them falls, the other can help her up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not e easily broken. You guys, this is what? This is a scripture we need to live for each other. It says two are better than one. We're meant to be in community. Two are better than one. It says pity the one who falls. Notice it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't say pity the one who falls because if you live long enough, guess what? We're all going to fall. So we're all going to have hard times. We're going to have hard diagnosis. We're going to lose people that we love. We're going to make mistakes. So it's not pity the one who falls because we all do. It's pity the one who has nobody to pick them up. And you and I, even as we're aging have the capacity to pick somebody else up. Maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's a note, maybe it's taking them to lunch, whatever it is, we have the capacity to pick somebody else up. And then it says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's you and me and God. So I'm gonna pray with you. I love that verse. Here's a prayer that I pray often, um, and it's come from several different devotionals but it helps me in my dealing with people lord and this this first sentence is very important to me lord keep me from trying to distinguish between the deserving and the undeserving 
So I'm going to tell you that I grew up, and, and as I go down the street, maybe there's somebody standing on the street, I pretty quickly can say to myself, they deserve my help, or you know what? They're, they're not working very hard. Or they might use my money in a bad way. Or So he asks us to discern what are good situations. But I don't want to be a person that walks into a room and decides whether you deserve or you don't. So Lord, keep me from trying to distinguish between the deserving and the undeserving. Help me work to alleviate suffering and injustice wherever I see it. Trusting the rest is up to you. Whenever I long to see your face, help me to not avoid the parts of my community where you most often dwell. Help me to minister to others in ways that validate and authenticate them as fellow children of God. Keep me from daring to assume that my good fortune is of my own doing or that my ability to serve is anything other than a gift from you. Teach me to share my resources, believing the more I give, the more you'll provide. So, who do we encourage? I hope everybody in our path. Another scripture I love is from Acts 4.13. And this is when the members of the council, they thought they'd gotten rid of Jesus. They were pretty pleased with themselves. But it says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scripture. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And what I want to say to you is the people I run into, whether it be in the grocery store or at church or a party, or do they walk away from Pat Ward saying she's been with Jesus? Because that's very important. We wear Jesus for people all the time. And so... Another goal for me is to think in situations when I leave you, even if we've just had a funny conversation, can you tell something different? Can you tell I've spent time with Jesus? Um, I want us to think about leaving everybody in our path smiling more or feeling better than they did before they came upon us that day. Can the person in the grocery store tell whether I've been with Jesus or not? Can I get off my phone long enough to ask him or her who they are? It's got to be obvious. Um, I also love Exodus 17, 10 through 13. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as... Moses held his hands up. So you realize he's in a posture of prayer praying for his people. The Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. Aaron and Ur got on either side of him and held his hands up. 
So his hands remained steady till sunset and the battle was won. If there's anything you and I need to be, it's an Aaron and a Her. Because when, it's like my Ecclesiastes verse. When people are going through a hard time, you and I can't take it away from them. And guess what? It's not even our job to take it away from them. But we can sure hold their arms up. And it shows partnership. It shows we're in this with them. Um, this verse also reminds me to encourage my leaders. Now, Fred didn't ask me to say this. <laughs> but we need to encourage our elders and our deacons and our preachers and our teachers because, Fred, you can nod your head if you agree with this statement, they often hear what we don't like. <laughs> um, he nodded. Um, let's make sure that they hear what we like. Let's make sure. Um, because it's real easy for me to say what I don't like, but how often when I do like something, I just go on my way thinking, oh, that's going smoothly. I don't need to tell them that I really liked that. Um, but they need to hear what we like. Um, Moses was, um, uh, I'm sorry, Moses was a leader. And so his arms grew tired. So Aaron and her stepped in. So pick out a leader this week. Pick one out. Um, it can be Josh. It can be somebody who works in the office. It can be our elders. Pick out a, a leader this week. And guess what? You don't have to agree with everything they make decisions on here or everything they say. Um, in fact, maybe because you don't agree with them, you're the one to encourage them. I can tell you, working here for 34 years, we have the greatest leaders. But in what I remember when we were building the school building, there were some hard times. Um, I remember calling Fred hysterically crying as he was getting off an airplane one time, and he just didn't even go get his baggage. He, took time to talk to me. Fred and I didn't see eye to eye on every subject, but Fred is my friend, and I'm going to encourage him. This verse takes me deeper because from time to time, all of our arms are weary, and we need an Aaron and a her. So to the sick, to the depressed, I want to make a plea for that because, you know, if somebody is physically sick, um, we pray for them. A lot of times when they're emotionally or mentally sick, we think they just need to try harder. Let's try not to distinguish between the deserving and the undeserving. Um, to those who have lost a loved one, to those who have lost a job, to those who are in, in addiction or recovering, um, anyone who is disadvantaged, and I'm going to make another plea here, to the divorced, because a lot of times when people lose a spouse to death, we rush in, and we are so sorry, and we give them our sympathy, and when somebody is divorced, we think they probably didn't try as hard in their marriage as we did, or we think something else. So I'm going to say from my standpoint that I feel all of the things that somebody who lost a spouse to death, I feel those things. I don't always feel the same love. And so that's what we do. Um, 
Be vulnerable. Remember you are not the sheriff who is trying to straighten everybody out. Share your story. Broken people are not drawn to perfect people. Did you know that? Broken people are not drawn to perfect people. They're drawn to other broken people who are still standing. Romans 14 in the message says, but since we're all guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude to criticize others? God, after all, invited us all to the table. Do you have any business crossing somebody off the list? Because it's his party. If there are corrections to be made or managed to be learned, this might be hard for some of us, God can handle that without our help. That's how the message says it. Um, there are so many good books out there. Have One of them that I like. Has anybody read um, Everybody Always by Bob Goff? It's a, it, it is a good book, and he's helped me a lot. And one of the many things that he says, among others, see people as they can be, not who they are, and always err on the side of grace. You know, Jesus picked both Judas and Peter along with the other people. He saw what Peter could become. He saw what Judas could become. Judas turned and gave up too quickly. Peter betrayed Jesus just as much as Judas did. But Jesus saw them for who they could become. I worked at a conference I worked at Otter Creek, as I told you, for 34 years. And as part of our accreditation, we had to go and get hours and hours of training about working with children and how to better the relationship with parents. And I once went to a conference where psychologists talked about charismatic people. Lest that scare any of you long-time Church of Christ people. That's not what this is about. His definition, let me get to that, of charismatic people was people who believed in loved us and encouraged us no matter what. He said it takes three charismatic people outside of our parents for us to be more successful people in this world. And so he asked us to, and if you're comfortable, I'm going to ask you to. He asked us to close our eyes and think of three people in our childhood. So if you'll close your eyes, just think of three people in your childhood if you can think of three who were charismatic people for you. And then he took us on to middle school. And it might be the same people, but this is outside mom and daddy. That we could name. Okay, you can open your eyes. But the greatest point that he made to me was he paused and he said, who are the people in today's world that would call you one of their charismatic people? And if there's not somebody you think would call you one of their charismatic people, set out to be that. That resonated with me. And I determined no matter how old I am, that I will pick out three kids at least from this church 
I, I might know them and I might not. But if they're up on the stage leading our worship okay. or if we know about some honor there, I'm going to send them a note. I'm going to say, I'm proud of you. You guys, we can do that. Those are things we can do to encourage other people. And so what if they don't know you? I am sure there are lots of kids at this church who go, I have no idea who that Pat Ward is. And she writes me a note. Um, but when our teens lead worship, I try to make sure that I always encourage them in that. Because don't we want them to be encouraged in leadership like that? Um, so I'm going to go a little bit deeper, deeper because God's kingdom is so small and yet so big. And you may disagree with me on some of these points, and that's fine. I'm just going to tell you about what God has placed on my heart. So what do you do with the man who sells the contributor up here on Old Hickory Boulevard? Um, he stands right there at the light before you get on the interstate. Did you know his name is Jason? Do you know his wife died? His brakes have been out. Somebody ran into his car a few weeks ago and left the scene. How do I know? Because I don't just hand money out the window. I do hand money out the window. I, I listen. He knows I drive a black car with UT stickers on it. And I gave him my encouragement ministries card one day and said, if I, if I can never do anything. Did you know he's going to a Bible study now? Sometimes the light, at the red light at Old Hickory is there a long time. And, but yeah. and, anyway. Yes. Oh, yes. People have honked at me before, too. But one day the light was turning green. And it's so funny. After I gave him my card, he calls me preacher lady. I don't know why, but he calls me preacher lady. He said, preacher lady, next red light, I got a question for you. <laughs> So, then he, then he I think he does. Okay. Yeah. And so, next red light, I'm there. And he said, Preacher Lady, somebody tells me when I get to heaven, I'm not going to know my wife. What do you think? And I said, I don't think I know the answer, but I know you're not going to be sad. So, I think you might see her. Thanks, Preacher Lady. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> um, so, whether we choose to give him money, and I'll tell you that my dad brought me up to say if you give him money, he's going to go buy alcohol. Y'all, we don't know that. And what if he does? Pat Ward has done her part, and what he does with his part. I'm trying to not decide whether he deserves my help. I'm trying to show him Jesus. So, um, um, I, I'm, I try to be really careful. I try not to avoid the people I don't understand. I used to. Um, but when I read, and y'all are going to get so much paper, you're going to be able to make a book. But when I read um, the love one another verses in the Bible, those are God. There are so many of them. And there's so much that we can learn from that. The love one another. That's what he's calling us to do. He's not calling us to judge whether they deserve it. He says to us, bear each other's burdens, love one another, all of those kinds of things. One of those that um, really gets me is in the world. It says, if you keep on biting and devouring one another, you will be destroyed by each other. 
I don't care, really and truly, what your politics are. But in our country right now, we are fighting and devouring each other. And the bottom line is, whoever you vote for, God never intended for us to be so fighting and devouring. And you will find that Christians even do this. They post things like, I can't believe you. You would vote for that person. I can't believe you would. We're supposed to be showing God. So let's don't bite and devour one another. Um, my daughter stretched me the most. And am I supposed to be done at 1045? Oh, rather. Okay. Um, because it, she just was a different personality. But she, she got a job teaching in East Nashville in the Casey Projects. Those kids don't ride a bus to school. She's not working there now, but they don't ride a bus to school. They walk. So um, she taught me that if I play it safe, I will stay in the same place. She taught me not to say I'm serving the poor because that puts me on the upper level. We just love one another. The families she met while teaching at Casey are some of my closest friends. They've been in my home, and I've been in theirs. And yes, a roach ran up my arm, and I flicked it off, and it went in my purse, and I dumped my purse on the floor. Um, but they, they are my friends. Um, many of them know as much or more about Jesus than I do. They taught me what he looks like. Will you make mistakes? You do. I make them all the time. It's not a reason to stop trying. I can tell you, um, do you all remember that there was a homeless woman who was in our parking lot for a while and lived in her car? I would pass her every day as I was going to school, and I thought to myself one day, Pat, you can reach out to that woman. So I stopped, and I pulled up, and I said, would you like to go to lunch? And she said, I would. Well, because I work for Encouragement Ministries, I've got all of this paperwork in my front seat, and she's going to get in my car, and I'm tossing stuff in the back seat, and I said, excuse me, I know it looks like I live in my car. <laughs> she said, oh, Miss Pat, you're so funny, and I'm going to tell you she got a steak for lunch that day because that's what she wanted, and I felt so bad. Um, when I would be in the projects, Jen would say to me, Mom, talk to them like you talk to people at Otter Creek. Talk to them. So there's a man on a porch one day. We've gone in to get a family out because there had been a shooting the night before. And he's sitting on the porch and he says, these young people today, they just have those semi-automatic guns. And he said, I mean, I'm not perfect. I've been in jail myself. And I thought, I can do this. And I said, really? What for? I killed a man. This is what I did. <laughs> I, you know, um, I had a guy come up to me and he said, I, I'll take care of your girl. I know you're worried about your little white girl over here in the projects. I'll take care of her. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. I'll take care of her. And I said, thank you. And his name was Alfred. And so we're leaving. And I decided to be friendly. And I rolled my window down and I was like, Alfred, thank you so much for taking care of Jen. And she said, he's the local drug dealer and he's selling cocaine right now. <laughs> so you, you're going to make mistakes, but please don't stop. Please don't stop. Um, so what we do for other people, um, yes, we'll make mistakes. Don't stop. I'm going to give you today some things, some tips, and I'm going to hurry this up. 
Um, how we encourage people, the list is as endless as the people in this room. Here's something that means a lot to me. Remember, a meaningful silence is always better than meaningless words. So, I'll tell you a quick story. Almost a year ago, it, it will be a year next week, I got a text here in church that a, a lady who used to teach here at school, her son had died. And you, you probably have heard about it. He was at a camping trip. Um, they made some bad choices, and uh, he never woke up. I go to her house, and so don't, there's not anything I can say to make that situation better. So we sat on the front porch and rocked, and I didn't say a word, and she would say, do you want to see a picture of him? Do you want to hear it? the last time he called me? Um, because I'm going to give you some don'ts in a minute, and there were plenty of don'ts that she heard. Um, remember, it's okay to not be okay. Um, say to people, I'm sorry, you're not alone. Um, acknowledge their pain and don't try to talk them out of it. I'm a big believer in snail mail. Y'all know that. I think it means so much more. Texts are fine. Emails are fine. I'm a big believer in snail mail. Remind them of your availability. Tell them over and over again, this is my phone number. I'm at the other end of that. If you need to talk, I want to listen. Um, I did say to her something Bob Goff said to me uh, in that book. When you're with people who are going through a hard time and they say, what am I going to do? She said to me, how am I going to live through this? And I said, I have no idea. Do it for the next 30 seconds. That's what he says. And then at the end of that 30 seconds, you say to yourself, I'll do it for the next 30 seconds. Um, I've got lots of other suggestions, but I'm running out of time. There's one more thing. Please don't, don't ever start a sentence with at least. Had a friend whose house flooded and somebody said at least. It's going to look really pretty in December when you get moved back into it. That doesn't help me. Because it looked really bad before. <laughs> yeah. um, somebody said to my son when my mom died, at least you had her a long time. And he looked at me later and said, oh, that made me not sad anymore that she's gone. You know, don't start a sentence with at least. Please don't say God was ready for your loved one before mine. Please don't say, this is going to make you so strong, because right now I don't care. Um, please don't say, this will get better or go away, because sometimes it doesn't. Please don't say, think positive. Try, have you tried thinking positive? Please don't. Um, somebody told me when I was divorced, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad, because I really never liked him anyway. Um, that did not help me in that situation. Um, Please don't say, I know how you feel. Um, I am going to give you some things that I think are wonderful things to say to people um, that I've come up with through the years. And, um, and then one more thing, because I know my time is up and I don't want to go too long. And um, all right. So <laughs> look on the back of your chair. And I see two of them are empty. But so somebody's gonna have to grab it. Look on the back of your chair. Not, it's on this part right here. There should be. There's here's one right. There. 
There should be a number That's better than Mark really wanted to say. There's one right back there. Somebody can grab that. I need to play this game. There should be five numbers. Have I got one, two, three, four, five? There's still one back there. No, just five people. Yes, yes, he is. Okay, so do I have a number one? Well, so Becky, you're getting Bob Goss' book, Everybody Always. Do I have a number two? Do I have a number two? This chip. Oh, yeah. All right. So this would be one of my favorite gifts ever. But you get 10 stamps. So you can write people Where's my number three? That's me, Pat. Okay. So you get no cards. Oh, excellent. Can you come every week? <laughs> Who's got number four? I'll tell Julian. Who's got four? It should be. Margie, look behind your chair or somebody's there. <laughs> oh, it's uh, Jen. Jen. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. All right, who's got number Who's got number five? Five? Look on the back. Is it kind of on the back? Oh, there you go. Oh, yes. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about this. So, really quickly. Oh, my. Really quickly. Um, um, every week, and you can make your own denomination, but every week I try to make sure that I go to the bank and I either have 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever I want to in my car. You're going to get $10. I want to surprise somebody, and I can break this $10 up into two fives or whatever. I want to give somebody a tip more than they deserve. I want to give it to Jason, who stands up there. I keep that money in my purse every week so that I can um, make somebody's day a little brighter who wasn't expecting it. So, just some tips. Okay. Y'all can go. Thank you. Oh. And I get to work with them, so.